welcome to this week's episode of the Compass Equip Podcast. I'm joined with Pastor Hayden. And I'm joined with Pastor Evan. And here at Compass Bible Church, what do we do? We exist. To make disciples. We ontologically exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ. What does ontologically mean? It's my existence. It's who, it's my, my very, yeah, my, who I am, my existence, my, who I am, my, my makeup, right? That's, yeah. There you go. Well, here at Compass, we, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything that we do here, including discussing ontological arguments, inclu- and, and also this podcast, is to fulfill that mission of reaching, teaching, and training. All right, well, Compass, we began a new sermon series in the Gospel of Matthew, The King Has Come. And before we dive into this text, Pastor Hayden, why, Nate, what is this new series about? So this new series is truly about the fact that uh, Christ has come. He's the Genesis, the new, the new creation, uh, and how the King has come, and in a way that not so many expected, although that was declared in uh, Isaiah 7 that it would. But we're looking at a four-week sermon series on how Christ's early life came about, including the news of the virgin uh, conception, uh, the way that prophecy was fulfilled through Scripture, uh, the way that uh, we ought to worship the coming King, even as we see that through uh, the life of the the Magi, how they did worship Christ well and the right way, and even how uh, people like Herod didn't, and they didn't receive the King that was coming, uh, and then even how the world was at odds with uh, Christ from the beginning, and how that's just continued throughout history. There's your four weeks of uh, what to expect in the sermon series. But even as we focused in on this week, we talked about the news that was given to Joseph and Mary about how the king was to come. And this is coming out of Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. And the main focus of your sermon, Pastor Hayden, was that unexpected events are often God's providential way of revealing his plan and require us to seek counsel from his word so we can walk faithfully amidst uncertainty. There's a statement you made uh, before even you jumped into the points was the fact that if we don't do, if we don't faithfully obey God in this, we will be stepping outside of his will. Do, do you want to unpack that statement right. a little it's, bit more? Yeah, it's, even, it's missing out on God's will is how I said it in the sermon. Uh, and it's simply like, you, you, this happens all the time, even though this the statement sounds very uh, dooming, right? Failing to respond in faith to God's unexpected events could cause you to miss out on God's will for you. Dun, dun, dun. And, you and it does, but it does every single day that you don't submit to God's will. That's the reason so many people... Uh, always wonder, what is God's will? And why don't I feel like I'm being purposed? Or I call myself a Christian, but I've never done anything uh, remotely close to responding to faith in uh, whatever area it is in my life. I'm not re- leading people to Christ. I'm not taking people, th- I'm not discipling people and making disciples. I'm, you know, I'm not uh, saying no to myself and yes to God. I'm not taking up my cross uh, and, and following Christ every day. You know, I, mean, I just keep going on and on. Well, therefore, you're missing out on God's will for you. And so this is just another way that people who aren't walking in faith toward God are missing out on God's will for you because there's so many unexpected events that go on in our life that are divinely uh, given that are God's providential way of showing us his plan, and he expects us to walk in them faithfully, even in the uncertainty, especially in the uncertainty. All right, well, it leads right into point number one. We need to plan for God's unexpected events and we're probably not going to be like Joseph and Mary, where our 
potential spouse or current spouse is going to walk up to us and say, I'm pregnant with the Lord's child. And if they do, you should definitely seek some counseling. There you go. But l- let me talk into that because I know Ooh. the question you're going to ask, but I'd like to go a little bit different. And your life is similar to this. Uh, it's the idea that God works in the past, especially in our lives, in a consistent manner to how he's going to work in the present and the future. Okay, uh, and so we can see in Scripture that God works in unexpected events. I can look at my life and think God has worked in unexpected events. And if I could peg the fact that I know this is a regular pattern in the way that God deals with his people, then I understand that there's going to become times in the future and in the present that God's going to continue to do those things. And so it should come to no surprise as we look at the biblical account of Scripture in our own lives that God does this, that we should see a, a great need uh, for us to make plans for unexpected events of God. Yes. Okay. And actually, to that point, uh, just you know, it's something you need to address in the sermon. How should we make plans, knowing that God might change them? Open-handed. I mean, it's, it's you know everything is is with an open hand to say God's going to do something in my life, and I just want to make sure that I'm following God's will. I even in our life group leader meeting, we used the, your example. You got hired at Compass in Aliso Viejo, California, to be the uh, student director there. Uh, it was how long did you work there before I approached you about coming to Compass? Probably just over a year. Okay, so you're at a place for a year that you were sure that's where God wanted you, uh, and then less. I was going to go somewhere else in California. Right, and then yes, yeah, yeah, we can get to that later, but yeah. And then 12 months later, which most people are like 12 months in, this uh, probably not enough time for me in that one spot to discern whether or not God's calling me to go somewhere else. I just got settled here. 12 months is barely any time. But now you're being approached unexpectedly to go and partner with a church plant halfway across the country in a place that you never considered living uh, to go plant a church unexpected. How do you deal with that? I just knew that God does crazy things sometimes. I, I know that he has unexpected things in my life and that I'm called to obey them no matter what. And you had, go through this, right? Number one, you understand God makes unexpected events, yes? Yes. Okay, in your life and in your marriage, you had at least come to some certain degree of expectation that there God could do unexpected things in your life and you had a plan. And so, yeah, I mean, essentially I had to, I learned at a young age and just to spend 30 to 60 seconds on this. And when I came out of high school, I thought I was going to play college somewhere else, uh, play college ball, but I got to play college ball in New Mexico. I did not want to go there, but yet God wanted me to do because he knew that I was going to get saved in New Mexico. So that was the first one. So there's unexpected event. Okay. And then I, I thought I was going to go play in the NFL. And then God said no. So I came back home thinking, okay, I don't know what he's going to do now, but at least I'll just pour myself into the church that I'm at, which was the sending church in California. And then I planned on being an accountant. And then, but knowing that, okay, I'm, I'm going to pursue this, but God might change it. And sure enough, I started to go into sports ministry. And I thought, okay, I'll actually in sports ministry, I'll pursue the director role of this region in Southern California to do missions work in high school campuses. And then the church approached me unexpectedly to say, by the way, do you want a job at the church? And I was like, I, I what? But I knew that, okay, God's can God has been that. working that way throughout your life, and so you didn't see it at odds with the character of God. Nope. Which you should, in Scripture, see the exact same thing. And then uh, I, I know we have, we're going to go to each point uh, successively, but even look in your own life in that situation, you didn't just make that decision in a vacuum. You seeked counsel 
from God's word and godly people. No? Yes. I mean, I remember even as you were discerning God's will of going on this church plant, you talked to godly people who could look at God's word and say things like, who actually, one of them used the Macedonian call. Yes, he did. He said, hey, uh, he's like, well, answer the question that Paul had to answer. Can you go and be helpful? And that's what was the driving force behind of us making the decision. We that's saw right. the need. We saw that we could fill that need. And we realized that if we didn't go, we would be stepping outside of God's will for us in disobedience and that we would see these updates about the church plant and regret going, we should have gone. And then because of that, you strove for immediate obedience. I mean, there, there was even like a timeline that you, some wise counselors gave you say, hey, if you believe this is God's will, you need to make this decision and it's actually, we had to make the decision on October 31st, and actually we pushed it for one more day to November 1st mm-hmm. of 2019 or 2020? 20, 2020. I don't remember. 2020. It's been a long time, it feels like. Right. But you, you understood the immediacy of your need to obey if this was God's call. Yeah, and no matter the cost. I mean, we, ju- we just recently knew we were we were about to have our first child, and all of our families in California, we were gonna we were ready to stick it out. We're like, I don't care if I'm Had paying. a lot of practical excuses why not to do it. Yeah, I was like, you know, I don't mind paying 500 grand for a tiny apartment. Like, whatever. I'll, I'll just do it, and California needs Jesus. And then you come along say, hey, come to my office. I need to talk to you. And say, hey, would you pray about being my associate? And I'm like... I don't want to pray right now because I don't want to leave mm-hmm. because I know if I open the door to God, he's probably going to have me go. And thankfully in his providence and his grace, he changed my heart. We said yes. And boy, has it been a complete joy to be part of God's will in this, not only to witness people getting saved and growing in their faith, mm-hmm. but being a part of this disciple making process and see what God is doing here. So you plan for the unexpected events, even though maybe you don't have a step-by-step process. You, you plan that God would do more of that in the future. You seek real counsel from God's word and from God's people. And then once you, you took it, you searched it, you prayed, you, you walked in obedience. Yes. Mm-hmm. And everything was always focused on the plan really was always asking, how can I first seek the kingdom of God in any decision? What can I mm-hmm. do to first seek his kingdom and all the excuses to stay in California were of my kingdom mm-hmm. and to leave and to go to Texas was to seek out his kingdom. And that's why we left. There you go. Any other questions? I mean, do we need to talk about point number two? Point I mean, number that, three? that was, I think that was pretty good, unless you have any questions, but I think that was pretty good. Well, and point number two, um, and I appreciate what God is doing in, in our, just on, on our lives, but the lives of the church. Point number two, though, is to seek out counsel from God's word. And so you told us to, um, first off, making sure you have God, God's word on our hearts and to seek wise counsel. I know I kind of showed why I did that, but how can we as a church do this? We're not called a church plant just yet. You know, I think the biggest, one of the biggest things, especially for men, I don't know if the women are are as prone to this, is like men, if you're going, you have to be humble to accept godly counsel. And I don't care how young you are or how old you are. Like you have to have wise, godly people that you will allow to invest in you and speak into your life, to speak truth. And uh, if you're not, if you're not going to have that, then you're going to have a hard time discerning God's will and you're going to have a hard time, uh, man, having people who you can trust to tell you what, tell you the truth, and tell you and help you walk in faith. And so that, I mean, that's a good wisdom to give you on how to seek counsel. You have to first be humble enough to accept counsel from people who are wise and helpful. Well, speaking of counsel, what is your counsel as um, one of the pastors here for point number three to strive for immediate obedience? What is your counsel for us to not to use? practical reasons to defend our delayed obedience. 
honestly use those wise counselors above to give them absolute permission to call out the chicanery in your life. It's, it's giving them the, the ability. You have people in your life who you say, listen, when you see me using excuses to not do things that God's word obviously tells me to do, call me out on it right there, right then. And give people the freedom and ability to call you out on those things. You know, don't hide uh, your disobedience through practical excuses. And, you know, I see people do it. They use their kids. They use their marriage. They use your jobs. They use, uh, uh, they use a, they're saying they're sick or they're saying that they're, they're tired. And it's like, yeah, I mean, if I didn't do something every time I was tired, or think of Paul the Apostle, or any of this, or Jesus. You know, if when, if Jesus said no to something because he was tired and he had a long day, can you imagine all the things Jesus wouldn't have done? But tired and, and, and tired and busy was never a prerequisite to saying no to God. It was always, hey, even though that I'm tired, even though that I've had a busy day. I'm going to say yes to God. And so you need people that will look at you and say, I love you enough to tell you that that is not a good reason to not obey God. So there's your biblical, practical wisdom. We'll love it. Well, we have some biblical and practical questions to go through. Look at that segue. There pretty, it was. I'm pretty proud of that one. But now it's ruined. Yes. <laughs> is what direction do you have for us? And even though there are 11 questions, what is... Um, direction you want to give us as we do these, especially before our life group, we do these as prep in preparation for our life groups. Yeah. Answer every single one of these as if you're going to discuss every single one of them in your group and have practical application points in those questions that you can apply to your life and help other people. Because although in your life group, you may not go over every one of these questions. Uh, number one, this is for your devotional time, right? This is for your benefit. So you can apply God's word to your life. And then when you do go over some of these questions in your life group, you will give helpful wisdom to people in your group of how you're applying God's word and how you are obeying the word of God and helping other people do likewise. And so, I mean, I really want you to answer these as though you're going to go over every single one of them in your group. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Hayden, for that. Encompass, it is now time for our DBR, our Daily Bible Reading Spotlight. <laughs> As we go through Jeremiah 11, chapter 11 through chapter 28. And just as a reminder, um, author is Jeremiah, which means God appoints roughly. And he was the priest who was also a prophet of God uh, for the kings, who from King Josiah all the way to past the exile. And he had a ministry for about 40 years. Um, but his is the wailing prophet. He's the weeping prophet. And he had a really rough ministry. And his ministry led him to his death in Egypt by being kidnapped by his fellow Jews and being killed by them. Remember the background of this information. This is the post the rise of the superpower that was the Syrian Empire and the fall of it. And it was the beginning of the rise and conquest of the Empire of Babylon. And also in the fact that the Jewish people did not trust God. Instead, they trusted themselves and they trusted other powers to help them beat Babylon, even though as you read this week, God's saying, you can't stop this judgment. It's too late. So what do you need to notice? Where a few things you need to notice this week in Jeremiah chapter 11 through 28. Well, the first thing you're going to notice right off the bat is why, what, why is this going on? Because of a broken covenant. God tells um, Israel, and specifically Judah, that he warned their fathers when he brought them out of Egypt, after he delivered them, 
And he warned them persistently, even to this day, Jeremiah's day, to obey his voice. Yet they did not incline an ear or obey him, but walked in stubbornness and the evil of his heart. And that's another thing we're going to focus on uh, later at the end is the heart issue that Jeremiah brings up. And so later in Jeremiah 11, he says, I'm bringing disaster upon you that you're not going to be able to escape this. You'll cry out to me and I will not listen. It sounds like a kind of a mean God. like, no, he's a just God. He said, time's up. I have to discipline. The next, next thing you're going to notice in this week's, this week in Jeremiah is the lying and false prophets. And the primary reason that they're there is that they're trying to resist God's impending judgment. They're trying to encourage the kings of Israel or Judah and Judah saying, no, 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 we can still do it. You know, we still live life. God's on our side. And God says over and over in Jeremiah 14 and Jeremiah 28, he says, don't listen to these people. They're worthless. They don't, they're not from me. I did not send them, nor did I command them to speak. And actually they're going to die. And that's what, that's what happens to uh, Hananiah, the false prophet, in Jeremiah 28, God says, and by the way, this year, Hananiah, because you're falsely prophesying that you're going to be delivered from Babylon, when I say, no, you're going to be conquered by Babylon, you're going to die. And sure enough, in that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. And so you're going to see lying and false prophets, not only this week, but the weeks to come throughout Jeremiah, who's trying to, con- they're trying to convince Israel that they're going to be delivered by God while God is saying, no, you're not. You need to stop your sin. You need to repent. Uh, one more, uh, a couple more things you're going to notice is Jeremiah's persecution, that he's going to be persecuted throughout the entirety of this book where people are going to throw him in a well, they're going to kidnap him, and they're going to say he, deser- he deserves death. Why? Because he's preaching the truth. And we're starting to feel that resistance more and more as Christians, especially globally in other parts of the world, but even here in America where preaching the truth is going to get a stronger resistance uh, than even it was maybe 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And the last thing you're going to notice, uh, one of the final things, not the final thing, but a final thing you're gonna, you're going to notice is a lot of creative illustrations. And this is where God uses a lot of symbolism to explain what he's going, what's going on. For example, about a soiled loincloth, jars filled with wine, potters and clay, a broken flask, a righteous branch, uh, good figs and bad figs, a cup of wrath, a, a yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, a lot of illustrations and metaphors to explain what he is doing. So in those sections, It'll take me too long to explain each one. So in those sections, slow down and read carefully what God is trying to communicate in those sections to uh, the readers of Jeremiah. And then one, one final thing, which is the point for us Christians today, is Jeremiah clearly explains the issue then and the issue even now. Everything is a heart issue. Jeremiah 17 is a very familiar verse. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Well, there is someone. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So God's judgment would be according to what we have done. We're going to read that in Matthew 16. But he said, really, the issue is the heart. And we're going to see this also played out this week in Jeremiah 18. He said, the reason why, it's like, I, I'm calling you to repent. It's like, hey, I, I'm shipping disaster against you and devising a plan against you, Judah. Return. And actually, that is the Hebrew word for repent. In, in the Greek, it's, it's metanoia. 
Mm-hmm. But anointing to to turn this is the what does it look like? It's not just a changing of the mind. It's to physically turn your whole life around. Every one of you from what your evil ways and amend your ways in deeds. Like change. You need to change and conform to me. But this is God saying this, but this is the reality. You're going to say this. That's in vain. We will follow our own plans and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. Even today as Christians, we're calling people to repent. And the reason why they won't is because they have an evil, stubborn heart that wants to do what they want to do. And that's why even with biblical counseling and the preaching, we preach to say, hey, you need a heart change, and you need God to change your heart. And actually, that is something we will discuss next week in Jeremiah of how do we have this heart change. All right, well, that ends our DBR segment for this week. Pastor Hayden, we only have a couple of announcements. Uh, mm-hmm. What are announcements this week? Our few announcements are, one, our men's breakfast is on November the 12th. We'll be looking at First Thessalonians 5 and how to be temperate. And when it comes to the conflict uh, in our lives and it comes to our overall dispositions, we need to understand how we are to be temperate in our attitudes and our dispositions. Not passive, but temperate. And then we have Exploring Compass starting this coming up Sunday on October 30th and November the 6th. So we need to make sure that if we have not gone through Exploring Compass, that you would sign up now so that you can learn about our church, get plugged into our church and community, and also start serving here at Compass as we are here as a kingdom outpost making disciples. We want you to be a part of that as well. And you can do all those things through Exploring Compass. We look forward to uh, listening and hearing how uh, your life groups are going, how your lives are going. We'd love to connect with you. If you're listening to this podcast, if you have any questions that you would like us to even answer in this podcast concerning uh, uh, the sermon series, concerning uh, sermons or whatever we have going on in our culture, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at Hayden at CompassHillCountry.org or Evan at CompassHillCountry.org. And we would love to take some time even on this podcast to respond to some of your questions. So if you uh, have those, we'd love to hear from you. If not, we will see you again next week. 